Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Support the podcast on Patreon by joining the It's All Cobblers to Me fan club. Every month, you'll receive access to exclusive bonus content such as our Meet the Staff series, hear our player interviews before anyone else, and be invited to regular meetups. By joining the fan club, you'll be helping us to continue our sponsorship of NTFC women's player Abby Bruin and enable us to keep the podcast and all our other content going to the high standards you expect. To join the fan club, go to patreon.com forward slash cobblers to me. Abdul Osman against Brad Jones to put Liverpool out of the cup and not that to three! Hello, welcome to It's All Cobblers to Me, the podcast about Northampton Town Football Club. I'm Charles Commons and on this week's show we're looking back at Saturday's draw with Forest Green and we've got some news to reveal about the podcast. If you enjoy what we do and would like to help us to keep bringing you weekly Cobblers content, you can join the fan club on Patreon, where you'll get access to our community forums, extra content, and help us in sponsoring NTFC women's player Abby Bruin. We're always striving to improve what we do and looking at ways to support the football team we love. You can help us to do that by paying just £2 a month at patreon.com forward slash cobblers to me. Joining me this week are Danny Brothers and Chesie Coleman. Hello, friends. Hello. Shall we start in the 95th minute? Probably. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a feeling at the end of that game. Quite. I think the youth of today, Charles, call it scenes. Scenes. Limbs. Hashtag scenes. <laughs> I love the way that both me and you went. The youth of today. The young people I. of today. Not us. Yeah. Well, Jeffy, Jeffy still counts, I think. Do I? Really? Yeah. yeah. Sure. What are you, 27? I'm 30 in a matter of weeks. Are you really? Yeah. No. <laughs> I am. I'm the no, I'm proper you're old not. now. To me, you're always going to be a sprightly 27-year-old. Nah, no chance. <laughs> to be fair, though, if we count on my lockdown birthdays, I've been quite unlucky because my birthday was the first week of lockdown. So technically, I've missed like two, potentially nearly three lockdowns, depending on how Mate. the lockdowns keep going. So, so I mean, what you're saying is I'm you're still, still 27. <laughs> <laughs> still 27 if you count the fact that I've not been able to celebrate for the last two years. Oh, so, yeah. dear. Well, did that game on Saturday age you up until 30? Well, Is it, it that what's got you there? It didn't age my fingertips because my nails are wrecked because... <sighs> I was, you know, when you're just chewing them out of absolute desperation. Absolutely. But uh, yeah, it was great fun, wasn't it? Absolutely was it? Great, yeah. Great fun. Well, eventually. Oh, I didn't find it fun. Eventually. <laughs> yeah, okay, fine, yeah. The 95th minute onwards was fun. Yeah. Yes, I'll give you that. Yeah. Yeah, it was brilliant. Uh, uh, what I like what? is um, 
it feels like what I kind of phrased it as was that football has a really funny way of writing a wrong. And mm. that was almost the most perfect way to do that. And I think that for those that perhaps fail to understand celebrations, I actually feel quite sorry for quite a lot of people. Who are you, who are you talking you... about there, Jeffy? Who are you talking about? <laughs> oh, I'll let you make your mind up. Forest Green fans, absolutely atrocious. <laughs> yeah, if there you don't is. understand. There there's, there's, there's your bingo sheet. You can tick it off for <laughs> any boys and girls. Atrocious if, has made it into the pod. If you don't understand that feeling, then I just feel sorry for you because it it's something that doesn't mean much, really. But actually, right in that moment, it means everything. And I think as a football fan regardless of what team you support or who you who you root for i think everyone knows what that feeling feels like and empathizes with fans obviously yeah, when sure. you're on on the other end of it it's not particularly nice but i find it quite difficult to understand why other fans wouldn't understand why we do that and criticize why we do that because actually i think it's just a natural feeling that every football fan has and yeah. I just think it's quite sad that people don't do not do that. But I suppose if you only take 200 fans to one of your biggest games of the season, then, <laughs> you know, says it all shall really. We, shall we clear it up a little bit? Because obviously, um, you know, pitch invasion, brilliant. Love it. Love the pitch invasion. Love watching the pitch invasion happen. Pinnock pitch invasion. A pinnock, a postage pins pitch invasion. <laughs> Postman like. pinnock pitch invasion. <laughs> yes. Love it. Um but obviously, it's not because, like, was it? Is it? Is it Matty Stevens? Is that the, yep. the player's name yep. from Stevenage? Said you Stevenage. put some sort of thing out. Sorry, Stevens of Forest Green. Sorry, <laughs> yeah. apologies. Um, he put a tweet out, didn't he? So, or a, a thing in the media, maybe saying something about that. Obviously, that that's what it means and how good we are. Because teams want to, or fans of teams want to celebrate a draw against us by having a pitch invasion. Nonsense, I mean, by the way. Rubbish. Isn't it? Isn't it Nonsense. absolute crap? The pitch invasion happens because of the fact that essentially there's an injustice in the match, which is a goal is given that never was and never should be and never ever will be ever again. And we're behind for, you know. The ref, literally, the chance of one nil to the referee has never been so true. Yeah, I agree with you, and I do think that 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 the, that comments riled me quite a lot, actually. Um, and I don't normally really care much about what opposition players or fans really say. I don't take much notice of it. My my brain capacity simply doesn't have space for it. Um, but actually. I, fe I feel like it really does need calling out this week because I really do feel that as football fans, if your team are first in the league and potentially could well put one hand on a trophy with a win, arguably. In as long January. As, uh, well, hang on, I have not finished because you well <laughs> as well know, I reckon they're going to implode, right? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, I, I hope they do. Yeah, yeah. but absolutely. but from your for, if I, I'm thinking as if I'm a Forest Green fan here, right? Which yeah. I'm definitely mm -hmm. not, by the way. I may come from these neck of the woods, but I ain't no Forest Green fan. <laughs> so, for if, from a fan's point of view, if you think you might have one hand on a trophy because you're first and you're playing third, and if you win, you're miles ahead. What would they have been? Thirteen points clear potentially, something yes. like that. They're eleven points clear exactly, now. Exactly right. Yeah. So, from that point of view, if you if you then that's one of your biggest games, and I think that to take two hundred and seventy six fans really shows what that's about and shows the difference in the two clubs. Now, if, if that was us, it would be thousands, and I really do feel that that's a real uncalled for comment from him because he's hurting because he knows he's messed up and they've conceded late on and it's all about the mind games and and if you look at the body language of the forest green players as they go off they know they've they've let one go which they have and, and when we gained an advantage we should have had more because the goal shouldn't have stood but I do feel it's quite rich the way that they've come out with the arrogance actually because 
they've they've bought 276 fans to arguably the biggest game of their season and the way that they've spoken about the game turning it on a completely different note I just think is a bit rich and and quite unjust in itself I just feel that it was unnecessary and you know football football has a very funny way of righting wrongs that's what I will say on that yes it's got nothing to do with them being whatever size club they are that celebrations it's completely to do with the fact that we're hanging like it's very rare for us to score a last minute goal anyway in due exactly. time goal, I think I feel like we don't do it that much um, just against Forest Game Rovers yeah, yeah exactly. that seems to be the um, common denominator <laughs> yeah. it's a lot it's just a lot to do with what happened with their first goal it's a lot to do with I think it is a little bit to do with not as much as Caesar a little bit to do with them being top so I think if we'd scored an equaliser against Rochdale, for example, we might still have had a few run on the pitch, but I don't think it would have been as ferocious as it was. No, I think I um, think it doesn't matter who the opposition was. No, okay. If you base it on what had happened in the game. I think that's the pivotal yeah, thing, that's isn't it? The bit, yeah, that's, that's the, the main part that leads to the pitch invasion. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Um, I think for anyone, I mean, if you're... Saw a few Forest Green fans online and stuff saying about oh you you pitch invasion blah 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 but who cares mm. who cares who we're playing who cares what the situation is if something is going to bring us happiness and joy especially after the last couple of years then we're going to pitch invade and we're going to show that celebration I don't I don't see any issue with it at all it's not ideal with COVID and stuff but it's football and if we score a ninety fifth minute goal that's after a couple of defeats and after what happened in that first half then we. Sh- who cares I don't care about all these people saying oh you know blah 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 you're tin pot because you're running on the pitch and stuff they probably do remember last time we were (laughs) running on the pitch when Andy Williams scored that goal Mm. and that was another example because we've we'd just come off the back of a stupid run of form, haven't we, that we'd not won for Same like that, same ages. Wasn't that, that, wasn't that Dean Austin's only win? Mm-hmm. Could well have been, yeah. Well and we just, we just yeah. couldn't pick up a win for love nor money. And it's just two sides of football that you just, it, you can't take that away from football, that joy and mm-hmm. that, that celebration. You can't take that away from people. And obviously if we we're on the other end of that, we probably make similar comments, but I don't yeah. think we, sh- we particularly should knowing well, the thing is, what I've, we've been through. I've been at Sixfields a, a lot when teams have scored late on against us and invaded the pitch. And I don't think I felt particularly strongly about that. I've it's, it's football. It's part and parcel of the game. As you say, Danny, it's not ideal with the current situation we're living in. But generally, on a general football, you know, in football stadiums, you see it quite regularly. And well, I think... Yeah, we saw it at Walsall a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, we, and I do think it should be obviously measured... And if if there's issues with it, then clearly it's a problem. But it's just a, a sheer outpouring of joy. No one has any control over what they do when you when your team scores at all. Mm. It's completely that's involuntary. Missed. That's what we've missed, isn't yeah, it? Absolutely. Couple of years of not being in the ground. Yeah, absolutely. That, those moments that you just have no rhyme or reason for it, other than you've just scored an equaliser. Do you just go mad? Like the, it's like plastic chair gate, isn't it? Yeah, with absolutely. MK Don's that one. It's the <laughs> yeah, moments you remember. Yeah. And that meant nothing fields. either. That yeah. literally meant so little, didn't yeah. it? That it, we, well, the fact it, it was them. Ex- well, but, yeah. yeah. But it really didn't mean anything at all. And I think that's the yeah. beauty of football. And I think that's what's yeah. got away from it's got away from the situation with the criticism that we've kind of come under and the yeah. and the spin that has been put on it by yeah. Forest Green's coaching staff, management and players. Because like you said, Danny, it's got absolutely nothing to do with the fact that we're playing them. Nothing at all. It's got everything to do about the joy of football. And I just feel it's a cheap shot to throw that statement yeah. out there. Can I mention... I do feel the... so strongly about that. Sorry. Absolutely. Can we mention the, the Forest Green Rovers, I think it's a YouTuber, um, who... <laughs> mentioned something on Twitter about what you've just sort of said about how I think he uses the word tin pot over our celebration of going on the pitch. And I just think to myself, look here, pal, clearly you don't understand that actually the reason why we've all celebrated so madly and and then it's invaded a pitch is because of the fact that what's gone on during the match, it's got nothing to do with how good you are. And if you're going to talk about being tin pots as a football club, then as Jeffy has already said, bring 276 fans 
to your biggest game, away game of the season, based on league position. And then you can talk about being Tim Paul. I mean, I, th- I just think that it's ridiculous. Just just to give a little bit more justification to the pitch invasion, by the way, which I don't feel doesn't really need any justification, but we all know that at Sixfields, we all tend to do that thing, don't we? Where we, towards the end of the match, because of where the exits are for the stadium, especially at the north stand end of the ground, You've got the two big gates that open out towards, you know, to go out of the, of the ground. Fans congregate, don't they? In the last sort of five minutes from the 85th minute onwards, they congregate in those corners, waiting to basically just leave and get out so they can get back to their cars or whatever and get home. The reason why the pitch invasion happens is essentially because of the fact that there's a load of fans down in the corner. And where do they have to go? the pitch is right in front of them. They're going to go. And especially when the players (laughs) come running over to that corner where all the fans are congregated, what do you expect? And I mean, like, like you said, Danny, it's that thrill of, you know, we've scored a goal. A year ago, we weren't allowed inside the stadium. Yeah. Yeah. And when there's so much crap about football at the moment as well, about people trying to form super leagues and all this nonsense that goes up at the top end, you like, you sometimes think, you know, is the game losing its sense of what what mm. what we fell in love with, kind of thing? And when you get moments like that, you think, oh, actually, it's still here. It's we've still got it somewhere. It's somewhere in there. It's one of those moments you're just going to remember in six fields history, isn't it? When can I also like just happens. point out while we're on the subject that mm. um, Forest Green's biggest away game potentially was against us, right? Mm. Can I just point out that it's not because we're Northampton Town? That's, no, it's that's it's first nothing to do with absolutely. And, yeah. and what I think is really important because, as a football fan, I can sit and, and spout left, right, and centre about what I don't like about this, that, and the other. But it's very important, actually, to be quite realistic about things. I'm a Northampton Town fan. I sit in a stadium that's half built currently, and we linger between league one and league two we're not perfect and we're not Mm. the the best football team in the world and that's that's reality okay we're Northampton Town and and that's it we're just a a football club like everybody else but it had nothing to do with who we are it's because it was first v third and I think that's really important to highlight because actually we've said what we've said about Forest Green Rovers fans reacting the way they have and the players and the management which they have but also I have seen some Forest Green fans who, to their credit, have gone, do you know what, that definitely wasn't over the line and fair play. And you do have to measure it up because it's really important to kind of keep a measured balance on it because actually reactions can be quite extreme in in that moment. And there are, you know, quite a few extreme reactions of it. But actually, generally, there are some decent people who are just genuine football fans that do see it the way it is seen. And I think... We have to be very careful if we have a voice in the fact that we we say what we feel that we need to say, but we say it with fairness. And I think that's really important because it's not been everybody, but it has been a majority. Okay. Well, look, let, let's talk about the opening goal. Can I, can I just very quickly mention old our friend Rivaldo at the end for that goal, if we're still on the... The equaliser. <laughs> <laughs> the irony of it being a player called Cadden isn't lost on most Cobblers fans. But um, he the the dive, one of the most ridiculous dives I've ever seen at Sixfields. Ian Holloway and put it how, perfectly, didn't he? he did, what did he say again? What was his quote? He in said he, he's gone down better than pints at a <laughs> yeah, government he's got party. He's gone down yeah. easier than a glass of red wine yeah, at a yeah, yeah. party. It's, it's honestly one of the most stupidest things. And because the referee's right in front of it, how does he not get booked or anything for that? Well, it didn't really be. It was irrelevant, it's, wasn't it? it I, was I, yeah, yeah, but I, it's, I, I think still the referee just though. plays on. But I mean... But he still should bring it back, surely, and say that was stupid. Probably should do. Because also, did he book but, I mean, Pinnock for his care? shirt? Yes, he did. Oh, did he? Yeah. Okay, fair play. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't see I, I think I think the there is that that little bit of like in the moment you kind of maybe forget that that has happened because so much happens after How it. Can you forget that? Well, I mean, we can't as Honestly. football fans, obviously. You know, we're going to look at it and go, how hilarious. I mean, who was it that has done the, the incredible video on Twitter? Oh, it was O'Toole, wasn't it, I think? Yeah, I mean, yeah. brilliant. Hats off to Super. that because... 
just brilliant and great fun. And, you know, but the referee in the moment, he's thinking, wow, the last minute equaliser, there's been a pitch invasion, you know, the players have gone over and taken shirts off, all this, that and the other. He's probably just forgotten about it in the end. And I don't blame him. You know, it happens. It happens. And it probably happened to the to the best referees in the land. You know, yeah. it, it's, it but was I mean, carnage. But I don't think it does excuse it. No, the referee, I agree. Because it, is still, I agree. it still needs to be picked up on. Because if he's on four bookings, mm-hmm. he suddenly gets a fifth and he's out of the next game. And that affects them. And that affects the league, doesn't it? So yeah. it's still, I still think it, I still think it should be completely brushed under the carpet because it's the most, one of the most ridiculous things I've it? ever seen. In- <laughs> but let's, let's be fair, Danny, the refereeing team, and yeah. I'll put all four of them in together. I presume that there's only four. There might have been somebody in the stand, of course, but you know, the you know a referee, two assistants, and a fourth official. Um, they were they were awful. <laughs> let's be honest. You cannot you cannot just give a game give a goal on a guess. No, regardless, what they've done is you chart, which is exactly what they've done. Is that they've basically gone? Oh, all the Forest Green players are well. I say all of them. All of them in the vicinity have put their hands up, which of course they're going to do. You know, I don't blame the Forest Green players for selling, you know, for, for raising their hands and appealing for a goal to be given. But the referee has to stay calm and impartial and look at it and just go, really? The fact that he goes over to the linesman, the linesman must have said to him, well, I, I can't see. Must have, surely the linesman has said to him, I can't see the ball, so I don't know. The referee doesn't know, so how can he give a goal? He can't give a goal. End of story. It doesn't matter. If he can't see the ball, if he doesn't know, he can't give a goal. It's too big of a decision. And yet what he does is decide, oh, it must be a goal because they celebrated. Essentially, that's what's happened. I At the time, from my vantage point in Dusseldorf, <laughs> I'm watching I'm watching on iFollow and I'm looking at and I, As it happened, I went, it's not a goal could tell it's not a goal i didn't even have that thing of going oh sure we've 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 conceded i literally went it's not in it's fine good save yeah and, and that's the annoying thing it was a good yeah and i'm like it's not and I'm, I'm and i'm hearing you know obviously the commentary and it's not you know it's not tim oglethorpe's fault or um leon barnett's or jake sharp's fault of course it's not they they they're talking about what what they're seeing and they can't see it and they're going it's been given i'm going and i'm literally screaming at my computer going it's not given <laughs> it can't be given it's not over the line it really isn't and i've cuz i've got the the benefit of i follow i rewound it and i just rewound it and i looked at it and i just went it's not and i i was like it's 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 Roberts's head that ripple that makes the net ripple. Yeah, it's that's exactly what it is. <sighs> it's his head rather than the ball, and the thing yeah. the linesman just sees the net go and just assumes. And how he, how he can make any kind of decision like that from where he is is uh, angry. It, I'm fuming. And, I mean, uh, I just don't get it, and, and it made me laugh afterwards. I, I you know I go onto Twitter. And I see somebody has retweeted Forest Green Rovers' goal tweet, if you like. The tweet when they say it's gone in. And then I quote Forest Green Rovers' tweet, (laughs) Stevens fires the ball home. (laughs) What? (laughs) Come on. (laughs) Whoever does Forest Green Rovers' social media needs to just resign. (laughs) So not stupid, not from their whole job, obviously, but resign the, the match day tweeting. Just don't do it. Because <laughs> you're blind as a bat, pal. Yeah. <laughs> I fired some beef. No, I didn't. I yeah. fired some sausage into the oven earlier. Are, are you sure it um, wasn't uh, some sort of corn? It was not corn. No, not this <laughs> time. Can I but ask a devil's so advocate question? Go on. Because... I agree with everything you've said. I think it was an atrocious decision, blah, 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 hey. blah. We could be here for yeah. hours analysing it, but there's kind of no point. Shot. Because <laughs> we do it every week, because every week we get a rubbish decision, and every week it's purely based on the fact that the referees aren't 
good enough for the role. And that I, I count every referee in the entirety of Leagues 1 and League 2 because we see it week in, week out. And until they get better training, it's never going to change. So I'm going to kind of brush over it because I'm kind of sick of talking about referees because actually I honestly genuinely don't think it's their fault. And I do feel quite sorry for them because they've been given a role that's too big for them. Anyway, um, would you rather... League Two ref. <laughs> For a second, then I thought you were going to say, "Would you rather fight? Would you rather duck-sized horses <laughs> or one horse-sized duck?" <laughs> Here's the thing, right? Would you want right duck hands for life, <laughs> right, or duck feet for life? Um, duck feet. Yeah, because you could swim. Yeah. It'd be well cool. I mean, I can yeah. swim anyway, but my duck feet would make me even faster. <laughs> But anyway, anyway I've, I've gone back to what I said. Would you rather a uh, League Two ref that does stupid things like that mm. or VAR? Because I know what I'd rather. Bearing in mind, you've got to have VAR for everything, not just for well, this incident. Well, personally, because of the fact that I believe that VAR will be improved over time. Yeah, I agree too. In its current I state, though. I would take VAR. In its current well, state. doesn't matter. It's you, got to be this match in order C, to get better. Could I have option C of spending the money that you were going to have on VAR to train the referees better? Yeah, it would have been so much better, wouldn't it? Well option done, Danny. C. Hidden option C. Hidden option C. I, in a genuine thing here, why can't we have goal line technology? Yeah, it's really silly that we don't have it, isn't it? Why? Because we had it in the playoffs, didn't we? Yeah. So why can't we Did have we? it? Yeah. yeah. So why can't we have it? Why can't goal line technology be implemented across the whole football league? What we could just have is a, a man or a woman that sits on a little, like, um, you know, those funny press seats that they have. Waves the flag, runs up and maybe, down the line. Yeah, like a little, to- maybe a toaster, right? And he has a pair of binoculars and he just sits there looking at the goal line, having a lovely time, gets to watch the game for free and just make sure everything's all okay. That's what I reckon. I, I genuinely ask the question of why can't we have goal line technology in the Football League? Because surely there is enough money in football to implement that. And that's every, what's wrong with you know, football, 92 isn't it? football clubs. But that's what's Surely. wrong, Charles, because the money funnels to one place and the money does not, is not, it can't be evenly distributed. It just can't. We don't, we won't ever live in a world like that. But we need the ability to have a sustainable refereeing standard. And as part of that, goal line technology does need to be there. It's a really simple thing to implement, right? It's just yeah, not going to yeah, change exactly. stadiums and it's not going to need big screens and it's not going to cost clubs loads and loads of money. It's a real basic thing to put in. I, I, yeah, I think surely, what yeah, you, surely all you need to actually do is you need to turn around and say that there is a mandate that it must be at every single mm. football league club, you know, every single professional football league club in the country, including the Premier League. And that there is a, you know, a pot basically that is available for you to to pay for it or to help support to pay for it. Because I mean, at the end of the day, that's what will have happened for the Premier League to have it introduced, introduced, introduced. (laughs) (laughs) But I do, I do think as well that if obviously we do need to do that, and I think that's, I think we're we're getting to a point where technology is going to out technology us if that makes sense where we're going to live in a world yeah it will because we're going to live in a world where the premier league is so advanced and then you're going to drop into the championship is not so bad in terms of refereeing standard but you're going to once you drop down the leagues there's going to be that huge gap and there's already a huge financial gap but i think the the bigger gap we get between refereeing and the technology and the refereeing that's going on in the premier league all right it's a bit of a farce at the moment we're in danger of not being able to balance that out. And I think the FA Cup's a real indicator to where we need to improve. And I know we're going off on a tangent talking about the FA Cup now, but, you know, you had teams that didn't have technology and teams that Mm. did. And I think that's going to be a real issue because when you start to have, I don't know, let's take the Burnleys of the world against the Manus of the world. And and there's going to be a point where we've not got... uh, stadiums equipped for that and there does need to be a financial 
almost like a financial fair play in terms of the refereeing yeah. and, and the stadium because we are going to need teams coming up from the National League needing big screens eventually because that's just how it's going to, to evolve, isn't it? And I think we have to be able to sustain that which is ironic because we played for a screen. We have to we have to be able to sustain that as a footballing body because otherwise I think we are in danger of losing that standard completely. Okay. Right. Let's move on away from those big talking points. I want to ask you both about um the the cobbler's performance as a whole. So first things first, uh John Brady names a slightly different lineup to what I think any of us were expecting. We go 4-3-3 almost uh, with Pinnock, Hoskins and Connolly as the front three, none of which are recognised out-and-out strikers. And then the performance that we put in, for me, going forward wasn't good enough, personally. Now, we could argue, you know, and I'm sure you probably will, both of you, argue that we were maybe nullified by Forest Green Rovers, who I, I thought were still quite good. Uh, I'm sure Chesley mm. will have an opinion on that. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I, I thought, you know, they. whereas I know that there were quite a few people that sort of went, really, top of the league? Really? I, I don't know about that. I, I saw moments where I sort of went, mm, they are quite good here as a team, as a unit. Um. I wonder whether, and and the thing that I'm concerned about is our attack, essentially. So the question I've got for you is, are we actually good enough going forward? Because two shots on target over the whole 90 minutes, that's not great, is it, Danny? Uh, No. It's not. What Your question, throw it back to you. Mm. Are we good enough for what, Charles? For our, well, for our league position, I would argue, As in, in a way, are we good enough to go up? Is that what you're saying? Yes, I suppose so, yeah. Are we good enough to go up? Because I feel um, like, actually, if we did go up right now, there's, there's not a chance in hell we stay in League One. Um, there's a lot of stuff that can happen, though, isn't there? Before oh, that. of course, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I don't think we're quite there. We're nearly there. We've said it most of the season in terms of we haven't been massively brilliant all season like it's not been a steamrolling season yet we still find ourselves third and we're still there we're still hanging on to the top three um we still need a couple maybe three i think additions which i think john brady has already mentioned he wants a center back the attacking midfielder and a striker um which is interesting having already signed zimba um i think we we definitely need them additions if we're going to getting top three. I think at the moment, if we stay as we are, we, we probably are looking at playoffs potentially because I think there's a lot of teams on the up. A lot of teams that you're worried about, the likes of Mansfield, the likes of Swindon, mm. um, Newport coming back and like, winning again yesterday. There's there's teams that are upwardly mobile that are going to catch us eventually if we don't keep up and we don't start winning games again. Um, and to do that, we need goals and we need, we need someone in there that's going to be reliable and just Tuck the ball home, like just put the just put the ball away, and it's hard to find in January. But like I said last week, we just need to go and find someone who will do that. And it, it's not a loan, not a young player on loan, just someone who knows how to do it. Even if name, someone in that case, have you got a name? Have I got a name? Um, the one that you look at, I mean, you, there's no one you're going to sign from this league, is there? That is that's going to come essentially because. They were, they were the top scorer for their team, like Dom Telford, for example, has just started scoring goals this season. He's a top scorer in League Two, scored 18 this season. Who's he play for, Danny? Um, Sorry. Uh, Newport. Why wouldn't he get um, to us, though? I mean, you know, we're well, we're a high, we're higher in the league and more more likely to go up than Newport are. Are we, though? Well, I, I just think, judging by league position, you look at it and you go, well, Northampton are more likely to get promotion because we're third then, and Newport are, what, sixth, I think? Yeah, but then in his example, he's not scored that many goals elsewhere. So he's clearly found mm. somewhere that he can score goals and it's a risk of True. him then going back to somewhere else he's unsure about. And uh, the, the next few, Jim Hill, Matt, Matt Stevens, obviously we're not going to sign them. Harry Smith, we're not going to sign him. <laughs> Harry McCurdy, not going to sign him. And you go down the list and you think there's... I mean, Matt J of Exeter is one that's probably a little bit more realistic. But again, mm. Exeter are with us. 
you maybe look into the conference to someone who's done it consistently, who's who's the been there and done Is it. Is that his name? Yeah, but he's not been there that long either, has he? Um, there's a guy called Michael Cheek playing for Bromley who right. scored 15 this oh, season. Oh, Woody will give him this. That'll yeah, be he fine. will. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, pass on. Um, <laughs> but it's finding the gem. It's so difficult to find because it's such a massive position to fill. It's such a someone that you just need to know mm. they're going to get on the end of crosses and going to put them, put the ball in the back of the net. Um, it is difficult, but we also needed a, a, someone to feed that, that through to win. And John Brady's, it was good to see him acknowledge it this week that we need someone in that number 10 role that's going to be creative and make something happen. Yeah. Um, and that's key to me as well, because a lot of our passes do just go astray um, oh. for whatever reason. We, all over the pitch as well. All it's over the pitch, just, yeah, completely. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think you said something about the weekend that Aaron McGowan was our most creative player. Yeah, which ac- is, according you know, to the XG, him, but... Aaron McGowan had, uh, was was the cobbler's top XG maker. I don't, I don't yeah. know how you word it. but <laughs> Top you know, XG-er. Top XG-er uh, <laughs> with 0.3. And he's yeah. a right back, for goodness sake. I mean, I, 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 I get it because somebody did reply because I, I, I put that tweet out on the podcast account and um, somebody did reply and sort of say, well how's that work? I don't understand. Mitch Pinnock obviously hit the post in the first four minutes of the game. So I, I, I don't know is the answer to it. But obviously, according to the stats, according to the data, Aaron McGowan was, was our most, pardon me, was our most likely player to score, which mm. seems daft. Yeah. And he's not right because he's a right back. That <laughs> you should have a strike, and even having, in a way, even having Mitch Pinnock as the player that is most likely to score. Well, Mitch Pinnock's meant to be the creative player. He's meant to be the assist maker. Really, if you think about he it, if you put everything. him in your team, what do you want him to do? You want him to be crossing that ball into the box and putting it on a plate for a striker. You don't. Yeah, you don't think to yourself. And I know he's got it in him, Danny. Don't get me wrong, but. That's almost like a secondary thing for him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. Um, it's just that I think we're we're almost there, and we've been almost there all season. And it's so good that we're third at the moment because we've got something to properly build on, and we've got players that can do it, that can turn up on a day and hold the league leaders to a draw. But we've also got that performance against Crawley in us. So it's it's finding a couple of players that are going to make us that bit more consistent and make us be able to change our tactic a little bit when things are going against us, like the Crawley game, that mm. we can we can have someone who can just whack something in from the top corner from nowhere or, you know, break the offside trap and, and run through and score or tap something in. It's just it's just finding them a couple of players. And we've we've said it since probably October, November that we just we're just a couple of players away from being comfortable in in what we're doing. A word for Dylan Connolly. Mm. Because First start in a long, long time. And I thought he did really well. And I, I think we've been we've been sort of saying that he needs to step up for a few weeks now, haven't we? And okay, he didn't quite have the end product that we want him to have. He didn't quite, you know, I, I think there was one one shot that he had that it went narrowly wide. Um <laughs> But in terms of creation of chances, him and Pinnock on either side, I thought were a force that Forest Green struggled to match up against. I think it was brave mm. of of Brady, and I'm really glad he he did what he did. I think had that had not gone well. And by not well, I mean if we'd have got absolutely slaughtered, I think there'd have been massive questions about that setup. But I think it was really good and a really positive sign that after such criticism of the formation, and by the way, I'm not singling this player out because it's him, but the the criticism that Danny Rose came under, which by the way is not just on him, it's on the whole formation and everything that wasn't working last week. The fact that he's come out and changed it and changed it in such a dramatic way was a really brave move, I think, and it had to work. So they had a huge amount of weight on their shoulders, those players in those positions, because had that have not worked, it would have been really nasty, I think. I think he he 
it was much more mobile, I think. But I do think mm. you're right, Charles, in the fact that I'll use a curlism like you did um, because of what, what Forest Green are. They did nullify it slightly more than what the likes of Crawley potentially would have if we'd have played that formation. So it's quite hard to tell. Um, I do think we were a bit more mobile, but you're right. We do lose the ball quite a lot. And I think that's an issue. Mm. Massive issue. But we like like Danny said, we've got to get somebody in that can just bang in 10 goals. But I think the problem is we're relying on Zimba. Again, that's a big thing to carry. But if there's goals in him, I'd give him a shot. Yeah, yeah, because this is the thing I was going to say, actually, was that the one criticism of that lineup in hindsight that I have is that I would rather have seen Zimba start yeah, in so the middle I. of that front three because Hoskins posed nothing for me. And, uh, you know, there was a point during the, to, well, definitely towards the end, sort of in the last 15 minutes, where I think I was saying, look, right now I would take Dylan Connolly off put Sam Hoskins over on that right-hand side and then have Zimba down the middle. So we keep the formation the same, but we have a recognised striker going through the middle. And I know Sam's played through the middle before, but I think we said earlier on in the season when he was playing consistently every single week on that right-hand side, it was noticeable that Sam's performances were better and were good because we were... He was always in the. He knew what he was doing week in, week out. He knew what was expected of him. So to then do what has happened so many times before to Sam Hoskins, which is right, you can basically play anywhere on the pitch, you know. So there, I, I trust you to be able to go and do a job there. But he would do so much better potentially if he actually played in the one position every single time. And I think putting him up front. When you've got recognised strikers on the bench, if it was me, and if I was, and don't get me wrong, going back to the Danny Danny Rose thing, in a way, I'm really, I was really pleased personally that Danny Rose was drop, dropped. I don't mean that in a bad way. If Danny's listening, we love you, Danny, but you're just in, not not our cup of tea at the minute when it comes in, to football. In a way, in a way, <laughs> I felt vindicated, and I went, I do know what I'm talking about, because Brady had agreed with me essentially in that Danny Rose wasn't offering enough up front anymore so we had to change it up i think uh, i think the pro- the issue was the backlash that potentially could have unfolded had he of not i think was going to be mega i don't i don't, I don't think that, that i don't think that managers really pay attention to what the fact uh, yeah they do but i mean i don't think if danny rose had started this week and loads of like we'd have had a go on so you know on on the podcast and they'd been like why is Danny Rose still playing at the end of the day John Brady just comes out and goes well who else do you want to play up front because let's be honest right now we haven't really got anyone else I disagree with that I think Zimba needs to be given a a solid chance I think if you're going to bring a, a kid on loan there is zero point in him sitting on the bench you might as well go back to his parent club yeah I, I, I agree with you again. there I agree with you there, yes, and and I will say that. However, he also needs to get up to speed. Nah, I, I disagree. I see this is, uh, I talked about this last week very passionately about like this. I don't believe in this whole match fitness thing. If you can kick a ball, crack on, get on the pitch, do it. <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of agree with that. I think he's been here now, what, 10 days or so? I could mm. kind of understand about Crawley, but if you're going into a game against the team top of the league and you're not playing him, then when are you going to? play him mm-hmm. if that makes any sense like yeah, he's, he, yeah he's had the time there's something's happened I think what probably did for him was Connolly playing so well against Crawley when he came on he did pretty well I think we all commented on it last week mm. that he'd put himself in the firing line and he said after the game he's had Covid twice I think Connolly over yeah, the last yeah. um, few months so he's obviously worked hard to get back in he's earned his place in the starting lineup so I think that automatically throws a curveball in because then you've got the problem of you can't drop Pinnock and then you've got Hoskins who no one no manager ever seems to want to drop um, and it's not a slight against him it's just where does he fit into that system and suddenly you've got all three of them you've got three wingers playing and the easiest way to fit Hoskins in is to throw him up top and it just didn't work so mm. there's going to be after, if Connolly continues to play so well if Pinnock obviously won't be dropped anyway, then it's going to be interesting because you just think it's going to be a battle between Hoskins and Connolly essentially for the other wing spot. They have to start scoring though. Yeah. If they don't start well, scoring, yeah. we ain't getting it going up. That's it. Absolutely. Right. 
Um, it's time for a bit of this. It's time to read your letters out. But things have changed, so listen out. If you want to write about Northampton Town, you'll need to write this next bit down. Just have a rant or just some fun at podcast at cobblers2me.com. No matter if we lose or win, send us your thoughts. Come on, get them in. Yes, it's postbag time, and we've had a couple of letters. This week. Thank you very much. After Danny's plea last week to fill up Neil's sack. Uh, Neil's like Bob not here. last week. <laughs> Neil's not here, but uh, we're going to um, give a couple of those out right now. So I'll, I'll go first, Danny, and then if you take up the second one for me in a moment. Um, so this first one is from Mr. Rob Collins. First time emailer. Hi, all. I recently discovered your podcast and listened to it on my way to and from visiting my mum in Buckby, where as part of my journey, I regularly pass Sixfields, though rarely on match days. I last went to see the Cobblers when they were starting their graceful slide from Division 1 in the days of Dave Bowen, so I feel a bit of a fraud engaging with you all, as you're are most definitely worthy of the title of ardent and knowledgeable supporters. Obviously, doesn't <laughs> listen that much. Uh, <laughs> in my defence, I have always declared the Cobblers as the team I support. That said, I have taken an interest in various other teams over the years, mainly because I find managers' people management styles and results to be fascinating, whether it be Chris Wilder or Jurgen Klopp, etc., and remain bemused as to why certain ex-players get big club opportunities, whereas others don't seem to get a look in. On your latest podcast, there was a comment that I'd like to follow up on. It related to the flat atmosphere at the Crawley Town match, where Chessie declared that the onus is on the team to liven up the crowd and entertain her. This didn't resonate with me, but I'm not sure it was meant to come across the way it did. I feel that supporters of any person, team or organisation generally expect to take the rough with the smooth and by definition are more than consumers or an audience to be entertained. So surely it goes with the territory that supporters sometimes need to be proactive in creating atmosphere even though they have splashed out hard-earned cash to watch the game. Encouragement is, to me, the essence of support and a great motivator, even when performance is below par. Your request for 90s bands reminds me of an occasion in the 1970s when I went to see heavy metal kids at the county ground, sorry, the cricket ground indoor school in Wantage Road. What was particularly memorable was the lead singer, Gary Holton of Alfie Zane Pet fame, climbing up the indoor nets during a song and getting stuck and needing roadies to get him down again. That aside, I think the band were pretty average and not one I would recommend. Keep up the good work. Rob, P.S., Partly motivated by this podcast, my brother and I have actually bought tickets for the Salford game on the 29th of January, so you may hear me there. There you go. Look at that. Influencers. <laughs> I do disagree with his comment, so we will kindly and respectfully agree to disagree because I do agree that it is the player's responsibility to G up the crowd because that's really? what they're there for and that's what I've paid for. But that's... that's I'm but very, very... But it's football. Surely, it is football, surely but we're I've all paid to watch them. I've paid to be entertained. Yeah, but partly we're surely we're all part of the experience of a football match. Yeah, surely so when they start performing, we all cheer. We've all got a part to play, surely. We do, absolutely. But I do feel that it's the players that give me the motivation to to encourage. Rob did say that um, I replied to him on the old email and said thank you very much for that. And he did come back to me and he said that in, in hindsight, the point I think I was trying to get across was that for me, the role of a supporter is more like that of a parent of a daughter or son turning out for the under eights rather than an Alan Sugar type role in The Apprentice, <laughs> arms folded, waiting to be impressed. I, I that, that's me. That is me as a football fan. <laughs> I'll tell you what, he has won me over with that because that is what I am like. That is me and Sean down to a T. I am, I'm furious with them until they score. 
<laughs> Jeffy's just sat there. <laughs> Sam, for that reason... <laughs> I'm out. I'm, I'm struggling. But it's the wrong, yeah, you've gone with the wrong, <laughs> wrong TV program, Daddy, but I get exactly where you're coming from. Oh, absolutely. That is me and my father, 280. Does that, mean, does that make Sean Claude? <laughs> no, Sean's Alan Sugar and I'm Claude. Think, Sean is believe, the true Alan Sugar. He's got the same ears think, as Alan Sugar. They're so big. <laughs> Daddy, have you got more postbag for us? Uh, yes, I do. Um, from Mr. Malcolm Butler himself. Oh, Malcolm. Mr. Jingle Man. The Jingle Mr. Man. Mr. Jingle. Mr. Bojingles. He says, good evening, Neil. Sorry to hear that your sack is empty. Hope those stats, these stats fill the void. Oh, we do love a good oh, stat. Love stat. You may recall Danny. back in... This is Statman Malcolm. Yeah, this is. Go on, um, Malcolm. Yeah, you may recall back in October, I sent a look back at some seasons when the Cobblers had won promotion. Mm. Given our wobble since the start of 2022, I thought I'd revisit the same seasons to see how we started the new year of those never-to-be-forgotten campaigns. Season 86-87, still nothing to compare to anything I've ever witnessed. A 5-0 home win against Rochdale, and the Cobblers were 17 points clear at the top of Division 4. (laughs) (laughs) Still only having lost once in the league and having scored 68 goals. Yep. Not quite there, I don't think. Um, season 96-97, two home wins against Cardiff, 4-0, and Chester, 5-1. So it's in sixth spot, 16 be- points behind league leaders Fulham. I think remember that that January in particular. We just mm. There's a lot of snow. I certainly I remember I that remember. Chester game. Yeah, yeah, that was the Larry Snow Dive. Yeah, it was. Uh, season 2005-2006, two visits to the nation's capital saw us exit the FA Cup after a 4-1 defeat at Crystal Palace, followed by a 2-1 league win at Leighton Orient. We sat in fifth spot, level on points with Cheltenham. I was at uh, both of those. Yeah. Palace yeah, and same, I think. Yeah. Orient. Palace and uh, Orient, yeah, yeah, I think so. Um 2015-16, Wilders Cobblers were well into their stride with successive wins against Barnet, 3-0 at home, and two one-away wins at Plymouth and Dagenham. Yeah, we were second. Cool. We were in second spot on goal difference from Plymouth. Uh, in 2019-20, wins against Stevenage, 1-0 on Salford, 2-1, were the games at either side of a memorable FA Cup game at Burton mm. when the Cobblers ran out 4-2 winners. The League 2 table saw us in eighth spot. So compared with that, it's fair to say we've had a crap start to the year, but we still find ourselves in third spot. Let's hope that Zimba starts on Saturday. Oh, oh dear. Uh, and we see a few more fa- new faces before the end of the month. We still have much to be pleased about, except the managerial decision-making against Crawley. Jesse, take a bow for one of the most eloquent and well-argued rants the pod has witnessed. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to be able to venture out of Cornwall for a while, but I've got the home matches against Colchester and Tranmere in the diary. Best Colchester from Cornwall? Is he? The home matches. Crackers. Home matches. Home oh matches. my life. Yeah. I've got to get to Northampton. Chelsea. I was yeah. going to say, I was like, is he going all the way to Colchester? That's basically going from like here where I am to Scotland. That's blowing <laughs> miles away. Uh, uh, best wishes, Malcolm. Um, he says, PS, favourite 90s band, Faith No More. That's oh. a great shout. Great shout. Cheers, Malx. You are a legend. Cheers, Malx. Absolutely <laughs> uh, Tranmere, by the way, you mentioned Tranmere. That's going to be the 125th anniversary it match. Is. It is. I'm going to be there. Are you going to be there, Danny? Yes. Yes. So. yes. Chesie, are you going to be, be there? there? Yes. I've even yes. had to write it in a special diary to make sure Ooh. we definitely go. Amazing. Is, <clears throat> I think I remember there's been talks of a parade, Charles. There has been talks of a parade. Yeah, yes. me and you leading the way, Daddy, with, our, <laughs> with the award. <laughs> that's right, isn't it? I'm sure no, that's, I'm sure so, that's no. what I said. They're going to get all the uh, all the times that anybody that's ever won anything in the name of Northampton Town is going to be parading on the pitch. And uh, <laughs> me and you are going to be there with a trophy. No? Is that all right? No, I don't think so. No, I think you heard that Pretty long. sure. Anybody listening from the Cobblers, uh, please confirm that that's correct. Otherwise, I might get chucked out six hours on the day for entering the field of play. Uh, I am starting my campaign to get Eric Sabin to that march. By the oh, campaign, Eric Sabin. Do you know, Eric get Sabin once opened a bottle of champagne for me and Sean, but I couldn't have it because I was only 11. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> I mean, I was going to say, I, I had something to say there that it can't be topped. However, <laughs> I will, I'll, I'll carry on. I'll just say that uh, my, my good friend has just started working with Eric Cantona and I was going to wonder, Ooh. ask Eric whether he knew Eric and ask uh, the, <laughs> the better French? Eric to come <laughs> along. To, yeah, because obviously all French people know each other. Yeah, yeah. It's the same way that everybody believes from America that, that every British person knows the Queen. <laughs> <laughs> every Frenchman knows Eric Sabin. That's the way it works. I wonder what he's up to these days. Oh, probably just uh, oh, enjoying Eric Sabin. living off his 
previous highlights of playing for the Cobblers, what, no doubt. I mean, what a, a suave gentleman he was. He is. Oh, he continues absolutely. to be. Shall we talk? Don't, don't about... get me started, or else we could be going for another <laughs> yeah, hour. Yeah, yeah. But Danny, calm down. Go and sit in a cold shower for a little <laughs> while. Uh, the NTFC women were in yes. League Cup yes. action on Sunday. Go on, um, the girls. Here is James Wiles to tell us all about what happened. Cobblers women progressed to the County Cup semi-finals with a 7-0 win away to Bugbrook on Sunday. Alex Dick scored a hat-trick and Leo Cadone scored twice. Georgia Tier and new signing Zoe Boot scored the Cobblers' other goals. The Cobblers were dominant, but their opponents almost took a shock lead early on when they hit the post. But the Cobblers made the breakthrough midway through the first half, through Alex Dick's. The lead remained one until early in the second half when half-time substitute Georgia Tier found the net. Leo Cadone rounded the goalkeeper and fired a third into the roof of the net on the hour mark. Debutant Zoe Boot scored a fourth with a first-time finish into the bottom corner, and Leo Cadone beat the goalkeeper one-on-one to add a fifth and her second with a quarter hour remaining. The scoring wasn't over, though, and it was six with just over five minutes to go when Dix fired into the bottom corner. She completed a hat-trick in the final minute of normal time. Lou Barry and Josh Oldfield's side returned to league action next week when they made the long trip to Rotherham United. The Cobblers won the reverse fixture 9-2 in front of over 600 fans at Sixfields in September. I spoke to the joint managers and debuted at Zoe Boot after Sunday's game. So Josh, winning the County Cup today, what are your thoughts on performance and the result? Well, it's a cup game first of all and winning is the most important thing. We've done that. Uh, first half, the girls rightly called themselves out for a for the fact that they weren't at the, the races, uh, the standards that we want to be at. Um, other than that, this, the second half was was good. It was a lot better. We created a lot of chances. The scoreline, again, doesn't reflect the, the chances and the, the performance, I guess, in, in that second half. But yeah, overall, to win the game and get through the, to the next round of the Cup is important. That's what we've done. Lou, Zoe Boots signed in the week. She made a debut today and got on the score sheet. What are your thoughts on her signing and her first performance? Yeah, no, we're really excited. Really, really excited about it. Um, for someone still relatively young, um, she's got a fantastic amount of experience. So we'll add a lot to that. Even in a, a couple of weeks here, she's, she's come in and uh, rose raised the levels of training with, with her own ability and also her standards as well. So um, really, really, really looking forward to having her uh, on board. She, she, she played really well today, got a really good deserved, well-deserved goal as well. So um, no, we're looking forward to um, seeing how she can impact us for the rest of the season. And Josh, Eden Brown came back into, back into the team. She captained the team as well. There's been a number of captains over the last month or so. What's your thoughts on the leadership group that you've brought in? Yeah, so we, we, we feel like sharing the responsibility amongst a number of players is is something that will benefit us and that's that's, that's what we've done uh, rather than having one leader or one person that, that the group relies on and that we rely on what we've done is is share that amongst five players and it's quite simple They're, we'll pick the captain that we feel suits the game which is what we've done so far that's why the, the captains have changed i guess fairly regularly of of, of the last few games but yeah, there's not much into it really as i said it's just sharing responsibility and giving the players more ownership so that's that's all we're looking to do and finally, Lou, Rotherham United next week. What are your thoughts going into that one? Yeah, we are now getting to the stage where every game is becoming huge. We've got um, some very difficult away games coming up in the next month and a half, which is going to be season-defining, quite frankly. So um, our focus and attention has to be um, on point to make sure that obviously we're going to get out of these games that we need to. It's going to be difficult next week. Um, but again, we're looking forward to the challenge, so it'll be good. Uh, and then obviously just before we finish as well, just a, a bit of a well done to Bugbrook today because I thought they were brilliant and um, you know, White Rose was fantastic as well. So. so Zoe, a 7-0 win in the County Cup today. What are your thoughts on the result and the performance of the team? Uh, great result. It's what we wanted to win, a clean sheet through to the next round. Um, performance wasn't our standards, definitely first half. Um, but we got the goals we needed, we got the clean sheet and we're through to the next round, which is what we came for. You made your debut for the Cobblers today and you got yourself on the score sheet. What are your thoughts on your goal? Uh, yeah, really happy with it. It was a great ball from Faye Noble. Um, and yeah, I knew as soon as I got there that I just had to tap it around the keeper. Um, she come off the line, but yeah, really happy with the goal. Um, really happy with the win as well. What made you sign for the team and what can you bring to the team? Um, so the club have been making a lot of noise on social media with their results, um, which really drew me to the team. Um, after speaking to Josh and Lou, I can see that they've got ambitions to get promoted, play at the National League level, which is um, something that drew me. Um, I think I can bring hard work, um, a bit of experience at playing at that level that they're trying to get to. Um, yeah, so hopefully it's going to be a really good fit and I've settled in really well. And finally, what are your hopes for the rest of the season, personally and as a team? Uh, as a team, obviously promotion is what we're going for, win the league, get promoted. Um, we've just got to keep putting in the performances, getting the results. Um, personally, 
to kind of establish myself as a regular player, um, maybe score a few more goals, who knows? <laughs> well, there you go. 7 0. Just your standard yeah. 7 0. They're just absolutely <laughs> flying, aren't they? Again, you know 7 again. 7 last week, wasn't it? Uh, maybe. Um, I've lost count. Yeah. But yes, yeah, I'm pretty sure. Just doing so well. So well. Um, I'm running out of superlatives to describe mm. them. Um, I brilliant. hope this run, they're able to sustain it because it is just magnificent. I think personally for me, obviously, we, we, th- all it's about really is just get them up into the next division and mm-hmm. see how they fare. Momentum. I don't think that anybody's necessarily thinking right back-to-back promotion. So I don't think anybody's thinking that far ahead. Could They I could do it's... an Ian Atkins though. Potentially, yeah, it. absolutely. I mean, there's no reason why they couldn't go for it. I mean, the one thing that I would say is that the the two teams that they've played from the division above or from the level above this season uh, was it Lie Town and then Lincoln. Yeah. Yeah. I they, mean, obviously, one one lost yeah. one in that sense. But I mean, both times those games have been close. So they've been tested more, haven't they? But I think yeah. momentum will momentum has a big big is a big thing, right? We know that mm. from. From so many occasions in football, not just from from our point of view, from just being a football fan, you know that momentum carries teams. And I think the further they go with this run, then the more confidence it breeds, right? Absolutely, absolutely. Well, look, before we go, well done to Northampton Town Women, of course, for progressing in the Northamptonshire Cup. Uh, back to league action next week against Rotherham. Uh, if you can make it all the way up to Rotherham, up to Yorkshire, then, then please go and support the girls, um, I know that they would appreciate it greatly. I did promise you at the start of the podcast that we would have news. And I'm going to hand over to Hugh, Danny, Hugh Edwards, brothers. Oh, I've got some news. You've got some news, Danny, Hugh Edwards. What's it about? <laughs> a returning podcast. Oh, yes. Yeah, a returning podcast. Yes. Uh, so I've been feeling a bit lonely on Wednesday nights since we stopped recording our Aww. preview shows. Um, so we're bringing them back, Charles. Um, wow. Yes, we're going to bring them back, uh, and it's going to be with you. I think for the Salford game in a couple of weeks' time, will be the first one we're doing. Um, I think <laughs> if I'm we right can find a Salford fan, I oh, will find a Salford just, fan. I'll just, just remember, you've asked Gary us. Neville, and he's yeah, too Gary busy Neville, yeah. applying for the Labour Party uh, position of Get MP, in there. I believe. Get him in there. Um, I've asked Sky Sports, so they'll hook me up with someone, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> yeah, so we're going to be bringing that back. I think we're going to saying it's going to be out on Fridays. Is that right, Charles? Yeah, um, Friday morning. So the same as the blog preview that you normally write, Danny. You're still going to yeah. be doing that. Yeah, uh, still going to be doing a podcast that. Episode to go there'll with be it. a podcast with it, because we miss our opposition fans. We do. Well, most of them, apart from a couple of... What's the word? Um, Wankers. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> From the blue side of the Nen that uh, we'll never speak of again. Yeah. Absolutely. But, yeah. Hey, that's a great poem. It is. It is. It is. Yes. Amazing. There we go. It is so wonderful. there we go. So, yes. Uh, giant book festivals. A week on Friday is when you will expect to see the first of the new series of the preview show coming out. Make sure um, you tune into the Walsall preview so I can give you a full rundown <laughs> of kebab shops. <laughs> of course, yes. Although, interestingly, no Ash Taylor. No, what? he's gone. No, he's, gone, he's disappeared. He? He's got. He's run away back up to Scotland again. Has he actually? He actually yeah. has. Signed oh, for this changes the game entirely. I'm quite distressed about this. I think my first comment was, uh, Walsall have now increased their chances of beating us. Yeah, absolutely, yeah, yeah. by miles. I do feel that, um, I mean, he clearly doesn't fit in anywhere, does he? I wonder if there's a goodbye speech for him, because you know he loves those. He does, doesn't he? Well, yeah. I, I think Walsall's, um, you know, goodbye statement, if you like, probably wasn't good enough for some people. But... No, <laughs> you know. We won't yeah. mention that, just in goodbye, case. Just, I mean, it's, it's not a patch on John Joe, is it? Let's be honest. No, no, not at all. Uh, <laughs> lovely. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast, as you do every week. I know you enjoy it, and that's why you press play every single Tuesday. Thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting us. If you'd like more from us, go to cobblers2me.com, where you will find Danny's match previews, but you'll also find information on the fan club on Patreon. Please go and support us. It helps us to support the football club and the players who play for it. Um, thank you very much, Danny. Thank you. Thank you, Chesie. 
276. <laughs> and goodbye. <laughs> Bye, Ash. Whee! There's the cup. There's the pictures you'll see on tomorrow's back pages. The Cobblers are going through into Division 1. Bring them on because we deserve it. This podcast is a proud member of the FanHub 100. Football without fans is nothing, so we've partnered with FanHub to put fans first. Search FanHub app to play your part in the journey. Support the podcast on Patreon by joining the It's All Cobblers to Me fan club. Every month, you'll receive access to exclusive bonus content, such as our Meet the Staff series, hear our player interviews before anyone else, and be invited to regular meetups. By joining the fan club, you'll be helping us to continue our sponsorship of NTFC women's player Abby Bruin and enable us to keep the podcast and all our other content going to the high standards you expect. To join the fan club, go to patreon.com forward slash cobblers to me. Sports Social Podcast Network.